I need you to put your arms out like this. And when I throw the ball, you catch it. You ready? Here we go. Good job. All right. Let's go, team. Come on. Good job. Good job. Go. 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 That's my boy. How's that? Tight. That's how it's supposed to be. You want to be the one giving it here, not taking it. Go. Somebody I want to give a special shout out to. Hi, Mom! <laughs> All right. Yeah, dads, if y'all haven't figured out it's Mother's Day yet, by now you're in trouble. So start coming up with a story about you were tricking her that you forgot and everything else is taken care of for the rest of the day. Um, okay, a couple of things as we get going here today. Love having these kids in here. And man, she was just worshiping, wasn't she? She was loving that. Um, you know, there's some of these things that every parent teaches every kid. You know, uh, there's just some things that are very important. I, even I knew as a brand new daddy, you know, 17 years ago, there were certain things you had to tell them right away. Let's see if you can fill in some of these blanks, okay? See if this uh, is a don't play with your food. That's right. Don't run with scissors. Yeah, don't touch that stove. It's Yeah, yeah, everyone should know that. If you can't say something nice, we all know. It's exactly, we all had the same parent. When crossing the road, make sure you look. Can you, is it amazing that we learned exactly the same words? Wait, okay, now, recently I've been teaching my kids to drive, so this might be, you know, for some of you that have already done that. When driving, keep your hands at? Ten and two. Ten and two, yeah. What about this one? Stop, drop, and? Roll. Now, if you're my age, that became really important in the 80s. Do y'all remember that? Like, we would stand up in the middle of the class, move away from our desk in third grade, and get on the ground and roll around. It was so important. Stop, drop, and roll. I, I kind of expected to be on fire at least three or four times in my life. <laughs> and it's never happened. But, but we keep teaching it, just in case, okay? These things are really important, so we teach them to all of our kids. Some of them are even life and death important. So it leads us to this question. Why, even as Christians, are we... Sometimes at best on the fence when it comes to making sure our kids know the most important things that they would ever know by teaching them God's word. Words are important, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, really important. Did you know American football is played pretty much nowhere else but America, okay? I know we play some NFL games in Europe every year now. They're starting to like it great. But most of the world does not play American football. It's played here in America. We invented it. We understand it. We love it. 
But if you were to take a game, even a game as important as the Super Bowl, okay, and you put that on TV at an island somewhere in Asia, but you muted the television, no commentary, no subtitles, nothing, no explanation, and they watched the entire game, they would have no idea what was going on. No idea. From the plays that are being called, flags being thrown for penalties, sometimes six, sometimes three, sometimes two, sometimes one. I mean, they would have no idea why we were scoring what we were scoring. Why in the world, in the middle of the game, did Beyonce come out and sing and dance? They, there would be... There would be no explanation and no understanding. They would be completely lost on what was going on. Without words, without a translation or some explanation, we don't understand what's going on. And even if we somehow, 2,000 years ago, we had been there on that hill, without any words predicted in the Old Testament, without any words that Jesus predicted and his trying to explain to his disciples what was going to happen, without the words of the letters of the New Testament after Jesus' resurrection explaining to us salvation and what had happened, if we were just there and we saw three guys on the hill being crucified, something that had happened many times before and something that happened many times after, and even if we saw it all get dark, you know, when the middle guy died unexplanation, you know, we don't understand what's happening, but we would not know anything about salvation without words, without words. Words are so important, and words have always been important. In fact, God's word has always been the most important. I hope that you believe that. And when he selected a people for himself, the Israelites, and he selected a prophet for them, Moses, one of the very first things that he had Moses tell them was how important his words were going to be for them that they should know them, that they should listen to them, that they should speak of them to their little children, they should memorize them, and most importantly, they should obey them. And God's word, these words that are wrapped up in this book, the Bible, are the only foundation for your home and family that will never fail you. I hope that you know that. So turn with me to Deuteronomy. Miss Christina read part of this passage already for us today. Chapter 6, it's the fifth book of your Bible, so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, pretty early on. I'm on page 167, if that helps. <laughs> I guess it doesn't. Deuteronomy 6, today we're going to be reading verses 1 through 9. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. This is Moses talking to the Israelites. That you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Can we pray? 
Father, just a short prayer. We love you and we are grateful for your word. Thank you that you did not leave us without commentary or explanation, but you have given us specific commands and rules and guidelines that we might walk in your ways for our benefit, for our salvation. Father, would your spirit speak to us this morning as we open up your living word? Amen. You know, one of the biggest problems in our postmodern world today is that people think our actions are not determined by our beliefs, but instead by how we feel at any given time. You no doubt are recognizing that as you look through your social media and watch the news and things like that. People have devalued objective truth, right? That, well, that might be true for you, but it might not be true for you, which is completely ridiculous. If you try to convince me that two plus two is five, we would just laugh you out of here. But some of the stuff is that crazy um, that's going on around us. People have called this an, instinct, an instinctually stimulated generation where people prefer to feel rather than think. Yeah? And because of this, reading is becoming less and less important, and that includes the reading of the Bible. Listen to this. Even some Christians are beginning to think that the Bible is not as relevant today as it once was. Which goes, of course, against what the Bible says about itself, because the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And his word never fails or fades away. It's crazy to think about, but Christians, Christians will actually fight to defend the scripture and their Christian beliefs. They will get on Facebook and fight about it. They will go on politics and fight about it. They will fight for the right to worship, fight to have the Bible and prayer in school. They will fight against things that the Bible is against, like abortion. But then those same people will go into their lives and not obey and follow God's word. Isn't that silly? Living as if it was a book of suggestions rather than a clear-cut way of living that God desires from us. What we say must affect what we do. But this goes against what we just read in Deuteronomy 6 and our conversation about the fact that God's word has always been the most important thing and our belief that it should determine our actions. God's word is a gift to his people. It's not just something there to try to keep us you know, under control. It is a gift to us. And I think in our passage today, we see three reasons that God's word is given to us. I want you to write these down. The first is this. The word is given for our obedience. The word is given for our obedience. The main topic here in Deuteronomy 6 is obeying God's commands. Now, we use this passage often, as we are today, to talk about the, the passing down God's commands to the next generation. But this passage isn't just for parents, okay? So don't tune me out, okay? Moses didn't say, hey, all of you that have had kids recently, y'all come here, let's talk about some stuff, okay? This wasn't like the new parents Sunday school class. He was talking to all the nation of Israel. And so just as it was relevant for the whole nation that day, it's relevant for all of us in this room today, okay? Verse one, he says, now this is the commandment. The word commandment there in the singular form just basically means the whole law. And then he has two plural words, statutes and the rules. That's the details of the law. So he's saying the whole thing, all of it. This isn't a menu of items that God is throwing out to his new people group, the Israelites, to see which ones they like and which ones they don't. This isn't a test group. He's saying, no, this is it. This is my ways, my law. He wants me to know it and obey it. Clear. Verse one, he says that you may do them, 
Underline the word do really hard. That is an action word. Verse two, he says, by keeping, underline the word keeping, all his statutes and his commandments. Verse three, be careful to do them again. There's that word do, underline it again. These are action words. These are things that are verbs for us to do, okay? There is no mistaking what our relationship with God's word is supposed to be. We are supposed to learn it and obey it. Whenever there is an issue between what I think and what God thinks, the issue does not lie in God's perfect word. It lies in my misunderstanding. Do you understand that? Whenever there's conflict between how I feel about what God has to say, the issue is with about how I feel. It's not about, it's not, the issue is not with what God had to say. His word is perfect. Verse 2 goes on that you may fear the Lord your God. I want you to circle this word fear. This is a very confusing word sometimes because why should I fear the God who loves me, my father, my good, good father, like we sing sometimes. And we often say that this word fear is more like the word awe or reverence, this, this idea that we see God in, in all of his greatness and bigness. There's a fear there. But also I think there is a sense that fear just means fear. I mean, even Jesus in Matthew 10, verse 28 says, do not fear those who kill the body. Kill, that's scary, okay? But cannot kill, same word, the soul. Rather fear, same word as the first fear, him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. I think it's a fear that motivates us to action. But also knowing the greatness of God, his eternal nature, you know, his omnipotence, his omniscience, and also knowing his willingness to step out of heaven and humbly stoop down to love, forgive, and save a sinner like me. Fearing that God will motivate me to live for him and love him with all I am. I love the way the, the preacher and theologian Colin Smith says, he says, love God in a way that the fear of the Lord means his frown is your greatest dread and his smile your greatest delight. If I could wake up every morning thinking, God, help me today to live in a way that is pleasing to you. That my greatest fear would, would be your frown, but my greatest delight would be your smile. Man, I love that. Know God's word. Be careful to do God's word. That's the first thing. The word is given for our obedience. The second reason is this. The word is given for our benefit. Look at verse three. Keeping all his statutes and his commandments, that your days may be long. Underline that. That's a benefit. That your days may be long. He also says, be careful to do them, that it may go well with you. And that you may multiply Greatly, God is laying it out for his new people here, the Israelites. He's saying, I'm God. You're the people. I created you. I know what's best for you. I love you. These are my ways. You should follow them if you want the best outcome in every area of your life. He was laying it out for them. This is the way. And they, just like us, for whatever reason, we have to test the waters and see. I wonder if I might know better than God in this situation today. How many times have we done that? And then we go, oh, yeah, 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 I don't. And then I have to turn around and go back to what he said to begin with. How much stress would I have saved my life? How many problems would I have saved in my life if I would have just listened to him to begin with? 
We find the same kind of warning or, or example in the book of James, close to the end of your Bible. James chapter 1, verse 22 says this, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away at once, forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You might want to write that down, James 1, and go back later and, and underline, blessed in his doing, blessed in his doing. Obedience to God's word equals blessing. Disobedience to God's word equals cursing. You can find that theme throughout all of Scripture, cover to cover. Another benefit that we receive from God's word is that his word sustains us in hard seasons. Psalm 119, verse 92 says, If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Have you ever been at such a low point in your life that you didn't know if you could go on? So did the psalmist who wrote that. But the word of God sustained him even in the hardest and darkest times in his life because he knew God's word, because he longed for God's word, because God's word was written on his heart. It sustained him in those most difficult times of his life. Now, let me say this about hard times and affliction also, because I think this is encouragement. Most of the time when we think about hard times and affliction, we think, think about things that have happened to us that were out of our control. Cancer diagnosis, the loss of a loved one, infertility troubles, loss of a job. And this psalm absolutely is one to hang on to when those times come because God's word will sustain during those seasons. But can I say this? God's word will also sustain us in difficult seasons brought on by our own sin. As Christians, we are not going to hit this perfect every time. It's a really hard thing. It's a really hard thing to, to wake up and know that yesterday we blew it so bad and the guilt that we feel, the shame that we feel is real. But we remember because we are Christians, God sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for us has covered that sin. That debt has been paid. But we have to know that. We have to know that promise from Scripture. And when we, when we go against God's word as Christians, when we choose to disobey God's word, there are sometimes earthly consequences, broken relationships, personal financial problems, divorce, distance in your love relationship with God. And even in these times, if God's word is your foundation, then God's word will help to restore you again. That's encouragement to not ever give up. If you think about all the difficult times in your life that you've had up to this point, all the sin in your life that you've committed, all the sin in your life you've committed since becoming a Christian, the fact that you woke up this morning, still know Jesus and love him and came in here to worship with his saints is proof that his word will sustain you and that God never loses one of his children. That's encouragement. God's word will help restore you. His, his word will help you repent. His word will help you turn back to him. His word will help you begin following his ways once more. When God's word is your foundation, you will know it's the only place to turn when things go wrong. God's word will save us and God's word will sustain us in hard times. Look at verse five. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart 
and with all your soul and with all your might. Probably one of the most memorized verses in all of Scripture. Now, this isn't about certain parts of your body that we need to break down your heart, your soul, your might. No, he's saying you're everything. He's saying you're everything. The all of you love God with all that you are. And God's word is the key to entering into a love relationship with God rather than the world. If you are constantly struggling with the pull of this world on your life and on your heart, if you can't let go of sin, if your desires are wrapped up in materialism and success and popularity, if you feel distant from God rather than close to him, I guarantee you've been neglecting your Bible. Guarantee it. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Jesus in the book of Matthew called this what? The great and first commandment. In Matthew 22, he was asked, verse 36, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. You see, there's an exchange that happens when you fall in love with God. There's an exchange. It's, it's like the boy that finally finds in that girl everything his heart's been looking for. All of a sudden, things change. He's not hanging with the fellas as much. He's not golfing or fishing as much. He's packing his lunch instead of eating out because he's spending his money on all of her. <laughs> or perhaps he's saving up for a ring because spending time with her has changed everything for him. And when we spend time with God and his word, an exchange happens. We find what our soul has been longing for. And suddenly all the world around us begins to fade away because of the greatness of this God who loves us. There's an exchange and we begin to love him. I love what, how John Piper says. He says, you do not merely decide to love him. Something changes inside of you. And as a result, he becomes compellingly attractive. His glory, his beauty compels your admiration and delight. He becomes your supreme treasure. You love him. And what could be a greater benefit to us than to enter into a loving, saving relationship with God through his word. Is God your treasure? Do you love him? The word is given for our benefit. And finally, thirdly, the word is given for our families. Look at verse 6. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Before he even starts with verse 7, 8, and 9 about the family, he says, you can't pass on what you don't have already for yourself. Before I'm even about to say what I'm going to say about passing this on to the next generation, these words today shall be on your heart. Don't be the parent that says, do as I say, not as I do. You can't, you can't get away with that when it comes to God's word. Kids will catch you on that every time. These words I command you today shall be on your heart. And verse 7 says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. This word diligently means repeatedly. It means in a way that it would be impressed upon them. That's great for our series called Press, this idea of, of all this pressure being on our homes. If you want to take away the pressure that's on your home from the world, impress God's word on your home instead. Diligently, repeatedly. He says, talk about God's word all the time. Sitting in your house, walking by the way, lying down when you rise. When you're at home, when you're in the car, before you go to bed, when you wake up, talk about God's word all the time in your home. All the time. Verse 8 and 9. You shall bind them as a sign between your eyes. 
Write them on your doorposts, your house, your targets, frontlets, bind them on your hands, tattoo it. I don't know. My mom and dad would say you shouldn't do that. <laughs> but you could buy gospel T-shirts. Hux loves that. Buy gospel pictures and frame them and put them on the walls in your home. Put scripture on note cards and place them in the bathroom mirrors. Put them on the, the dashes of your car. Talk about scripture all the time. The word is given for our families. Get it in front of them every chance that you get. Don't ever miss a chance to talk to your children and your grandchildren and even your neighbor's children about God's word and about his love. Don't ever miss a chance. I know that many conversations I have with parents go something like this, but how do I do that? You know, how do I pass on the knowledge of the Bible? How do I help them fall in love with the Bible? It can be intimidating, but I want you to see that it doesn't have to be. So today I've got three things, three starting points for leading your family for you. And I've even got some cards that were printed out for me. You may have gotten one as you came in. Anybody get any cards? No? We got no cards? You got a card? Hey, we got cards. Hold that up. Hold that up. See the little card? If you want one, grab them as you go. They're probably somewhere. <laughs> if you don't find it, email me and I'll email you a PDF. You can print your own. Three starting points for leading your family. The first is this, your example. Your example. Our children are watching and you know it. You know it. From the moment they're born, children are watching their parents to learn how to do everything, from walking to talking to eating. Children learn more from their parents than their parents probably realize. Can you think of two or three things that you know you learned from your parents? Way you act, decisions you make, teams you root for, all from mom and dad, without a doubt. While we're called to teach the word of God to our children, we must always take great care to actually live out our faith in front of them as well. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, train up a child in the way he should go, but be sure you go that way too. <laughs> okay, you can't say, you know, I hope that they grow up to do everything God's word says, even though I'm running as far away from that as I possibly can. No, your kids are watching you and they're going to do what we do. So let your actions match your words. When you sin, model repentance. When they sin, model grace. When you eat, model prayer. When you're in traffic, model patience, self-control. When you're worried, model dependence on God. And they will catch on to these things from your example. You are going to have countless opportunities up until a certain point. And then those opportunities begin to disappear as they grow older. Take every opportunity you get. The second starting point is your devotion. Many people have said you can't give someone what you don't have. That's what we just read in our passage today. That before we even get to, chapter, to verse 7 and verse 6, it says, Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. Before parents can teach the word to their children, they have to have a love for God and his word in their own heart. They have to delight in his commands. Then they lead their children to do the same. So one of the greatest starting points for you in passing this down to the next generation is your own devotion. 
When you begin your day, when you wake up, when your feet hit the floor, you need to learn to delight in the word of God. You need to enjoy being in the Lord's presence. Devote yourself to prayer. I, I will, my brother and I tell the story all the time. It is a vivid image in my head that when I would come downstairs early, if I happened to wake up enough time, I would catch my father, knees on the ground, facing the blue chair, crying out to God for whatever it is. No doubt praying for us, praying for our family, praying for his church as he was a pastor. Never forget that example because of his devotion. That was a great example for me. There's also a practical side to this, because if you'll have your time in God's word in the morning, it really helps passing it on to the next generation. There is automatically something to talk about today. I don't have to think, oh, what should I tell them? What verse should I turn to? No, guys, let me tell you what I read in God's word this morning. Let me tell you my big takeaway this morning. What do you think about that? And ask some questions. That is simple. I don't need to be a Bible scholar to do that. All I got to do is read one chapter, give myself one big takeaway, and then talk about that one big takeaway with Braxton and Ainsley sometime in that day. Maybe it's around dinner. That never happens for me anymore. But maybe it's right before bed. Maybe it's in the car ride somewhere on our way to golf or dance or whatever it is. I can quickly say, let me tell you what I learned today about God and his love for me. That's easy. I don't even need a plan. I don't need a book to tell me how to do that. It starts with my own devotion. The third thing is this, your testimony. Just as your devotion time can encourage the rest of your family, your own testimony can. Now you're like, I ain't telling my kids my testimony. I think you should. Okay, I think you should. Do your kids know your testimony? Do your kids know the story of you going from sinner, hopeless, on his way to hell to chosen child of God on his way to heaven? Do your children know the, the details behind that story? Do your children know the people that played a role in your life to help you get to that point? Do, do your children know some of the important verses that you memorized and that you learned that taught you about God's forgiveness for your sin and your need for a savior? Do your children know about some of the stories where God was faithful to you along that journey and how he provided for you? Does he know about how he gave you peace in your life because of the forgiveness of your sins and you were able to move on past those because you knew that he had restored you? Do your kids know these things? Share, share about all of this stuff with them. The ways that the Lord has grown you. When we tell our kids how the Lord saved us from our sin and gave us new life, we invite them to celebrate salvation with us and we provide for them a personal example of the power of the gospel. Share your testimony. Share your story with your family. Jesus, the great teacher, more than a thousand years later, had this same message as Deuteronomy 6 for the people as Moses did. Matthew 7, he said, let me tell you about foundation. Verse 24, Jesus says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. 
when we obey God's word, we will see blessing in our life and in our family's life. When we disobey God's word, we will see cursing in our life and in our family's life. It is the most important words. I love the, the words from a song that Stuart Townend wrote called Every Promise. Let me just read this to you as we close this morning. From the breaking of the dawn to the setting of the sun, I will stand on every promise of your word. Words of power, strong to save, that will never pass away. I will stand on every promise of your word. For your covenant is sure, and on this I am secure. I can stand on every promise of your word. When I stumble and I sin, condemnation pressing in, I will stand on every promise of your word. You are faithful to forgive that in freedom I might live. So I stand on every promise of your word. Guilt to innocence restored. You remember sins no more. So I'll stand on every promise of your word. Isn't that encouraging? That we have a God who loves us, makes promises to us for our good, and never breaks one of them. Isn't that awesome? Can I ask a real first grade question? How can we stand on every promise of his word if we don't know them? God's word is our firm foundation, and it is given to us for our obedience, our benefit, and our families. And it is the only foundation that will never fail us. Can we pray? Father, we are so grateful for your word. You are the creator of the universe, the, the one who is eternal, the one who is perfect in every way and powerful, and yet you have chosen to to gift us this incredible living word of yours for our benefit, for our sake, that we might know a loving God who's willing to save us and rescue us from the penalty of sin and death. You have done that for us, Father. I pray that we, through your word, would know you, that we would, through your word, receive your gift of salvation, and that we would, through your word, live in a way that is faithful and pleasing to you. Fill us with your spirit to do so and help us to know your word more and more every day and to pass that on to those who we have influence on, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross that makes all of this possible. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you, guys. See you next week. Happy Mother's Day.